probably good. No one will ever know this is take two. Take two. Yeah. The mountain. <laughs> what? <laughs> is that a... <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure what that means. The Misty Mountain? <laughs> oh. The man from Misty Mountain. <laughs> Far over. probably a good intro so let's say hello and welcome to no doubt consumed episode 17 uh where we are back we are to do a new episode and we're also back to do the intro for this episode because <laughs> yeah. we are re-recording it yeah basically we got 15 minutes in and for some reason my computer decided no i don't like your microphone anymore and disconnected it which yeah. messed up one the skype call I could hear Sandro, he couldn't hear me for a few minutes. And uh, it also messed up my project for some reason, so I couldn't keep recording. Mm, yes, but do not fret, for we are here to do the episode still. Yes. Don't worry, we're not going <laughs> to pack up and go home. <laughs> exactly. the sort of podcasters we are. I mean, we also are at home, so... <laughs> oh, I'm not packed up, though. My stuff is very much not packed up. It's true, we set up for this stuff, so... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this week we're going to be talking about The Last of Us 2 in depth, full spoilers, it'll be fun, we'll get to that at the very end of the episode, uh, we've also got the typical segment, which I'm just going to launch right into. Yeah, why not? Unless there's something else you wanted to talk about up top. I mean, not really. Oh, okay. Well, then it's time to ask a question, and it is a question that is quite, uh, quite powerful. Powerful. It's a question that um, has changed history many times. You know, there's moments mm. in in ancient Viking lore where if you are on the battlefield and you're fighting someone and the other person asks you this question, they're now your best friend. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Brothers in arms? Exactly. Oh, wow. And that question is, what have you been consuming lately? <laughs> The question was better this time around, I could tell you that much. <laughs> <laughs> well, the most uh, recent thing and the most exciting thing for me is, uh, and I'm trying not to just sound like I've rehearsed this, <laughs> is the Avengers beta for PlayStation. Although it's available on PlayStation, Xbox and PC and all of that. But anyway, I've got PlayStation. I played it on there and it's a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. It was about two and a half hours worth of the game. Uh, don't worry too much about spoilers because it's basically the setup of the Avengers team and what you saw in the trailers, basically. It's the the major event that starts the game off is A-Day, which is Avengers Day, mm-hmm. celebrating opening uh, a new Avengers Tower in San Francisco, I believe. Yeah, San Francisco. And uh, something goes wrong. And you've seen that in the trailer, the trailer so I, I'm not even going to really talk about the plot because there isn't too much in this. Mm, okay. Alrighty, so I'm going to completely confess here, listeners, we're having technical difficulties this episode and I've just switched microphones and I've kind of forgotten where I was up to with my review of this <laughs> uh, this beta, but basically it was good fun, these characters are great and it presents this version of these characters and uh, they're really good, like the, uh, the quips are great. Mm. That's something about the man for the PS4 is they got Peter Parker's quips wonderfully, now you have a whole team of them doing it, like 
Thor and Tony rib each other a lot. Yeah. And Black Widow kind of goes, ugh. <laughs> also, the performers play these characters really well. Um, and those performers include uh, Laura Bailey as Black Widow, Troy Baker as Bruce Banner. There's someone else playing him as Hulk. I can't remember his name at the moment, but all three of them are in The Last of Us, actually. <laughs> okay. Um, Travis Wellingham plays Thor, and he and Laura Bailey are married and have a really cute kid. I found out recently because I've become a big fan of those guys. <laughs> Who else is there? Oh, Nolan North as oh. Tony Stark. Yeah, yeah. And he is fantastic. Uh, did you see like their launch event when they announced this game? They had this... They had all the cast sitting in, on this couch discussing the characters and all of that. And he just said, if somebody approaches you and asks you to play Tony Stark Iron Man, you just go, uh, yes. <laughs> and so he did that. Yeah. And uh, he's great as, as Tony Stark. They're all really good in touch. Um, the performances for them is great. Uh, gameplay was a lot of fun pl- um, playing between the different characters and using their different skill sets. Mm. But really, it's only just two and a half hours of a, a full game and it's there to get you excited for the full game, which I am. So uh, hopefully I'll be able to give a review of that once it comes out and I've played through it. But basically, I had a bit of fun this weekend playing as the Avengers. Nice. Sounds good. I think there's an open beta next weekend as well, so I might jump on that. We can have a bit of a longer chat. Yeah. Perhaps. Yeah, if there is much to say about it, we'll see. <laughs> well, we'll see. Yeah, I'm just I'm playing it slightly vague just because there's a little bit of story in there. In that it kind of sets up how Kamala Khan comes about. Mm. But that's almost done with like a title card almost saying, so the story so far, which you haven't played in this beta, but you will in the game, is, and then gives a bit of her origin story. So, mm, Okay, that's cool. Nice. So I guess, because there isn't too much to say about that, Sandro, what have you been consuming recently? Uh, Muppets Now, over on Disney+. Plus. First episode came out last week. Mm-hmm. I think it was something like that. Yeah, I checked it out. And I was really excited for it. I mean, I'm a big fan of the Muppets, um, including pretty much all the oh. recent stuff. Right? <laughs> wow. That was loud. <laughs> <laughs> that was great timing. <laughs> well, this is the Plate with uh, Difficulties episode, this one. <laughs> okay, I think I think she's stopped. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm a pretty big fan of the Muppets in general. I like pretty much everything uh, that they've done, aside from may- maybe stuff like Muppets, Wizard of Oz, that, like, like those films aren't great. But, like, I like the recent movies for the most part. Mm. I like the TV show from a couple of years back, and I was excited to check out this new one, because it's on Disney+. Plus. I'm like, yes, Muppets on Disney+. Plus. I'm excited <laughs> to do it. Uh, saw the first episode, and it wasn't really what I expected, oh. and I didn't like it. To be honest, it's... It was a. It was originally meant to be, a, I think, a series of short, five to six minute long clips. Yeah, kind of like uh, based off each character. So, like, like Miss Piggy has a a lifestyle sort of vlog, which she co-hosts with Linda Cardellini, which is pretty funny. Kind of, uh, Kermit has a has a very serious interview show. Um, the Swedish chef has a cooking program where he cooks with celebrity chefs and completely embarrasses himself. And then there's also the Muppet field lab test part with with Dr. Bunsen. Uh, and 
it's all okay. It's not. It's, it's not particularly bad. It's not like offensive. It's just. Yeah. It's not really what I. I, I think people want from the Muppets. It, it could just be me talking, but like, I mean, it is literally. <laughs> yeah, and your dog. But this opinion could just be me in that, like the the Muppets are you care about them as a whole like the films where kermit's off to win his own thing i don't really care i don't like want to watch young kermit or whatever it is because him by himself it's fun but there's not much there like yeah. him with fozzy and the team is is excellent um that's one of the reasons why that first Muppet movie, perhaps controversially, isn't my favourite, because it's not really the whole team. It's like a, a road trip, and every now and then you come across one of the characters. Like, I prefer the ones where it's them as a whole team working together. Yeah. And this is very much not that, which is a shame. Uh, the voice acting, for, for the most part, is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the original guy for Gonzo stays on. There's a, a new voices for Fozzie and Piggy, and it's pretty obvious that... They are impressions of the original voice, but it's not distracting in any way. I think they work really well. Uh, Kermit, on the other hand, is voiced by a a newcomer called Matt Vogel, who I think did some side characters in the recent movies and the recent TV show. Uh, And and he's just uh, not not great as this character, unfortunately. He's not great as Kermit. Oh, no. I don't know what it is. He, like... I think the show is fairly improvised, and his improvisational skills are good. He definitely says the right things. It's just the way that he says them, his voice for Kermit isn't particularly great, unfortunately. It's very nasally, and it does kind of feel like a different character. So, yeah. It could also be the mic as well that he's using, maybe. I don't know. Uh, so, I, yeah, I'm i probably not going to keep watching it. Um, I'm going to rate it a schmear. Yeah. And and stuff that I rate below a schmear, I'm I usually don't bother keeping up with. So I think maybe if it starts getting better reviews, I might jump back onto it. But at this stage, it's not really something that I'm enjoying, unfortunately, which is a shame because I love Muppets. I wanted to love this, but I don't know, not my favorite. That's fair enough. And I've got one other TV show that I started recently as well, which I might just very quickly talk about because there isn't too much to say about it, uh, and that is Star Trek Lower Decks. <laughs> yep. Which, yeah, when we saw the trailer, probably, when was it? Three weeks ago, maybe a month ago? I think so. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, we saw that trailer and went, "Uh uh-oh, this doesn't look very good. (laughs) Um, (laughs) That was my immediate reaction as well. I like uh, the creator, Michael McCann. He's done a lot of work on Rick and Morty, created Solar Opposites with Justin Roiland as well, which came out later this year. I mean, earlier this year. And so I like his work. I like the cast, including... And SNL alumni Noelle Wells, who is pretty funny. I've seen her in a lot of things. Jack Quaid as well, and Tawny Newson. So I quite like the the cast and the creators. But I like from the look of that trailer, I was like, this looks kind of silly, and I don't know if I like where this is going. Uh, yeah. But the first episode is actually really good. I really enjoyed it. Fair enough. So I don't even know where I was going with that question. What about it? Did you like? Hmm. I, I think my biggest worry with it was that it feels too much like a... Uh, cash grab's the wrong word, but it feels very <laughs> much like a rip-off of the Harley Quinn show, a rip-off of, like, Rick and Morty, but I think it fits in nicely with those. I think it's a good show in that world of animated comedies. It doesn't necessarily feel like it's trying to rip that off. Yeah. And that's kind of what I liked. It did feel 
quite genuine, which was surprising. There's a lot of, hey, do you remember that time Picard did this? Like, that's a lot of the jokes. (laughs) (laughs) Poking fun of it. Uh, Which will probably get annoying at some point. Um, But it was pretty funny in the first episode. Uh, the creature designs are interesting. Uh, it doesn't really... Technically, it takes place, I think, around the time of Deep Space Nine. Okay. Technically. I think it's just before the Dominion Wars. Yeah. But it's not really canonical, I don't think, (laughs) judging by some of the alien stuff that happens in it. So yeah, I'll keep watching it. Uh, I think it's pretty fun. It's not great. It's nowhere near as good as, like, Harley Quinn was or, you know, like Rick and Morty, which... This does feel like it is trying to be at times, but uh, it's enjoyable enough, so I'll keep checking it out. And the art style is quite reminiscent of the animated series from the 70s, which is nice as well, that they've kind of kept that art style in this in this show. Yeah. I just, yeah, I think I might have this thing with animated comedies. I'm just not the biggest fan, unless it's The Simpsons, basically. <laughs> yeah. Also, it might also be animated comedies based on live action properties yeah because there's a part of me that just wants to watch the original yeah that's fair yeah definitely but i i know i've been <laughs> prejudiced against it but i'm i'm good to hear i'm happy to hear positive reviews because yeah i could be wrong hmm i don't know i i agree when it's a show kind of like uh what is a show that's gone like live action to animation i don't know like there's a fast and furious tv show like pacific rim tv show i'm like i don't care about that you know it's animated (laughs) i don't care at all i'm i'm not gonna watch it but for something like star wars which granted the clone wars did start off kind of badly with that pilot turned movie thing all right yeah they released um i tend to ignore that (laughs) but that show was (laughs) was great and rebels was great i think there is room for animated stuff but it's it's definitely harder to get into, I think. Yes. Because you're like, but why is it animated when I'm used to this not being animated? I don't know. I do agree, yeah. And then the comedy part of it, it's so subjective. You're endangering, well, endangering. It is just a different interpretation of it. But, you know, Star Trek can be more serious with moments of humor, but then you make it kind of, mm. uh, I don't know. I've just got mixed feelings about that. Yeah, they do kind of address that up top like the captain is very much a kirk i'm heroic and i'm gonna go and save the day and like he talks like that as well he talks like that captain guy in futurama um which is really funny and yeah like he's and then the the science officer is you know quite stern there's a pretty funny moment in the episode where i think the captain or like the adventure guy something happens he gets in trouble and then like he's okay and then he goes up to like the medical officer and the science officer and is like let's go have a drink friend and i'm like yes we're the heroes <laughs> <laughs> it is kind of yeah it's it's like harley quinn in that it's a parody yeah which i think is why it gets away with it being animated like it is a parody of star trek but also existing within the star trek world and abiding by those laws which i think well, that's good. Strangely works in this case. Yeah. I just remembered my favorite Zap Brannigan line. I just have to mention it. He says, uh, Hi, I'm Zap Brannigan, master of time and space and everything in between. And oh, yeah, winner of this year's Modesty Award. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's excellent. I like yeah. that. Um, yeah, I'll, look, I might even check it out at some point. Yeah. Just, it's causing a bit of a stir among like the nerdy kind of communities I hang out. Mm. 
with online, so I'll check it out. Yeah. Even just the first episode. Yeah, weirdly, the first episode's gotten more positive reviews than the debut for Star Trek Picard did, which I found very interesting. Like, my feed loves it way more than they love Picard, which is strange. Well, a lot of people didn't like Picard, and they're just weird, because I really do. (laughs) It was was all right. Uh, (laughs) It was. Have listened back to our Picard episode to know about that. Uh, They also don't like Discovery, and what's wrong with them? (laughs) No, but Discovery, Discovery's great. I like Discovery. Yeah. But anyway, what else have you been consuming? Oh, what else? Uh, Just very quickly mention two games, both of which are sequels. I'm on PlayStation Plus, and I got for free the campaign of Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. And uh, I played through that, and that was a lot of fun. It's quite a quick game, actually, but very enjoyable still. And it does look really good. The remastering they do on these games is top quality, I think. Mm Mm-hmm. There's just not too much to say, really. Like, these plot twists and surprises happened a long time ago. Although, I'll just say, I like Ghost, and I'll never forgive what happened to him. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, fair. (laughs) Yeah, true. (laughs) (laughs) Also, what is it with the guy who plays Ghosts and this franchise? And, I suppose, spoilers, none of his characters survive to the end of the games that he's in. Mm. But, yeah, um, so that was a bit of fun. But something else I'll say a little bit more about is Uncharted 2. Ooh, yes. Yeah, I uh, I was playing it a, a little bit because I finished... The, the first game was just too short for me, but that's because it was uh, from a previous generation and most games were shorter then. And I'll be honest, I kind of played the first game to have played it and to catch up with these pop culture references and stuff like that within gaming. Mm-hmm. And I just... I did it for the sake of doing it as opposed to actually enjoying it, so to speak. That's how I went into it. I had more fun with it than I expected and... I really see why people like Nathan Drake and really like Nolan North. He's, he's He embodies that character wonderfully. Mm. But number two is just so much better for me. I stopped. I put it aside a bit when I'm, I found out we we're going to be reviewing The Last of Us Part 2 and I replayed Last of Us Part 2. But I'm basically nearly done with my replay. At least I've gotten the major beats of the story in mind so that I could talk about it today. So I went back to Uncharted 2 and... I'd stopped just before it got really interesting. So from the point I started playing it again, I'm actually hooked (laughs) with the story and the characters because, you know, Claudia Black is always amazing and her character in this is as shameless as Nathan Drake is and I love it. Yeah. Um, They were made for each other, basically. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I mean, you could argue literally the made-up characters in a game where you make the cat... Never mind. (laughs) But that saying, that figure of speech works really well. Mm. So I'm having a lot of fun with it. Uh, I don't know how far in I am. I don't know how long this one is, but it's certainly a step up from the first one in so many ways. Like it just feels so much more fluid, and your movements are much freer. Yeah. And the again, the remastering on this, I'm playing all the remastered ones. Um, it looks really good. It looks really, really good. Mm, yeah, it's quite a beautiful game. Now um, that second one, from memory, a lot of like it's. Uh, where do you go? It's got some snow stuff, right? Yeah, it starts off in the snow on a train. It was actually a really, really good beginning. Mm. Drake wakes up, his side is bleeding, and he's in a train that's hanging off the edge of a cliff. Yeah, right, that's right. Yeah, which is awesome. And you have to climb up it, and then you flash back to earlier, and I'm catching up to that point where he's on the train. Nice. Like The next thing I have to do is catch the train. In fact, I think that's the name of the level. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, excellent. But yeah, it's really good so far. Yeah, that second one's really fun. And I'm really, really warming up to Nolan North. Not that I didn't like him, I just hadn't 
experienced much of his work before, but I, I've said it before, I'll say it again, I could see why him and Troy Baker are considered two of the best voice actors out there, especially within video games. They're really good. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And I think I'll just mention the last thing, and it's just, again, a plug for Play, Watch, Listen, mentioning Troy Baker. He's one of the hosts of that, and it's just a fascinating show. You get a lot of insights into... Although this week wasn't necessarily just about games, it was a kind of storytelling and including politics, so to speak, although I wouldn't call it politics, but it's kind of the idea of if narratives should include thought-provoking stuff or if it should just kind of be a straight A to B kind of story. And there were some really interesting takes that don't all agree, which is really great for a uh, a podcast where you can have debate as opposed to just talk about something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And I think we'll get onto that in our main segment. I think so. On this show, because yeah. uh, this game, Last of Us Part Two, has got a lot of that. It's got a lot of grey areas, a lot of moral ambiguity, and I think it kind of prompted an article that they talked about on the podcast, which the article basically says that the writer of the article would prefer it if games were just kind of black and white mm. with goals in mind, but not kind of like a platform game or something like that where it's basic, just kind of show me the bad guys, let me kill them <laughs> sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. Which is almost online gaming, basically. Yeah, pretty much. Although I do have to agree with um, Troy Baker. He's got no problem with that idea and he's got no problem with someone wanting that. But the article was written basically stating it as fact as opposed to opinion in a way. And I think that's that kind of riles me. Yeah. And it did him as well. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's an interesting point of view. Um, I personally prefer moral ambiguity, and I like that. I'll, I might save that for our review, but basically, certain games, Last of Us Part Two, um, subvert expectations and it subvert that sort of thing. And I feel like the, I feel like Uncharted is kind of black and white in a way. Yeah. In that, I just run through the map firing my gun at a whole lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. And if you like that, that's fine. There's story and there's characters that you like, but it's not really asking you to consider what you're doing. Yeah, exactly. And that's fine. That's got its place. I'm having a lot of fun. But I went on a journey with both Last of Us games, and I I personally prefer that. All power to this person who wrote the article that they prefer the other sort, and that's fine. Mm. But it was just really interesting that the latest episode of the podcast, Play, Watch, Listen, was about this article and about how you tell stories. And one of the points that they made is you can't help but include your opinion on a grey, ambiguous topic mm. just by the fact that you've written it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're going to subtly include your opinion. And that was an interesting point of view. Mm. But yeah, that's my list other than the main topic. So have you got anything else that you've consumed? Um, I'm kind of halfway through, uh, American Horror Story Cult and Umbrella Academy. Okay, yep. The only thing I'll say about Cult is that I like it. It's a good return to the first two seasons where the plot was completely impossible to understand and (laughs) just ridiculous and the characters are constantly changing allegiances like every two seconds it's ridiculous but it's a lot of fun yeah uh and umbrella academy is really good um really fun the the budget looks like they've pumped it up a little bit more there's some pretty incredible action sequences the entire cast is phenomenal well i've seen the uh the trailer for it just 
the looping trailer on Netflix, and mm. I, I just went, whoa, that's really high quality, actually. Yeah, yeah, it is. And it's also very weird. Very, very weird, <laughs> uh, which is excellent. I love that this show exists. I saw that, and I thought, wait, that's straight out of Doom Patrol as well. <laughs> yeah, it is very similar to, to Doom Patrol. It's interesting that they both kind of came out in the same year, because they are very similar to each other. Yeah, that's all right. I, I like that. Yeah, I, I think the original comic was quite similar to like yeah like the weirder x-men comics and comics like doom patrol and stuff except it was bad uh look are you comfy on that hill yeah i don't like (laughs) the umbrella academy comics i've only read the first two volumes um i think the third one came out last year the fourth one's out soon because there was a massive gap in the middle i just i don't think they're very well written i think that gerard way came up with great concepts Mm -hmm. comes up with good music very good music, yeah. But as a writer, not, <laughs> not great. Maybe Killjoys is better, the other the comic book he's written. I don't know, I haven't read it. Oh, was that a comic book? Because I know about the show. I think he turned it into a comic book. Oh, nice. I'm not too sure. Yeah. But I don't think it's the show one. I think it's based off an album that Mike Hamilton Oh, okay, yeah. I have no idea. Uh, I don't know. But all I know is that he was involved in another comic book series. Yeah. Uh, I think the one thing with Umbrella Academy is... Like, my main issue with that first season was the pacing, and I think that's still an issue here. Mm -hmm. It does feel like they've come up with great places for characters to be at the start and at the end of the season, and then they're just kind of working their way backwards to figure out how they get there, and it does, like, there's times where it's like, all right, we need this character to stay in this location for this number of episodes so that this can happen Mm -hmm. later on, and it does feel very constructed rather than natural. Yeah. That's how I feel. Is it kind of like with, you know, the Game of Thrones book where a chapter is a certain couple of hours or something like that in a character's mm. time and then you jump to Daenerys and then you jump to Jon Snow sort of thing? Is it that sort of thing where you see a little bit of Ellen Page's character and then you cut to Tom Hopper? And Is, is it that sort of thing? Yeah, yeah, it is. Because a lot of the characters are on their own for most of the second season oh okay like which is fine i think yes you know it's fine and they they do get together quite frequently but yeah it does feel a lot like that that game of thrones style of writing which is Mm. what's this character up to what's this character up to and it does yeah i i think maybe the first season probably should have been better as like a six episode season rather than 10 that was one thing that kind of annoyed me was the pacing of that first season yeah i think the second one deserves this longer 10 episode run but it still does feel quite constructed with what a lot of the characters are doing yeah which is a shame and you notice it more when you've got characters you're maybe really invested in and then you go uh this guy or this person mm and you have to sit through that. I, that's why I've actually struggled for years with just the first Game of Thrones book. <laughs> I've got them all, but I come and go because I get to a point where I'm actually not interested. Although I do love all the characters, thanks to the TV show. Yeah. But it's where they are in the first book, I'm not as invested in. Mm. It's when they get more empowered, they're a bit cooler or they're a bit more interesting. But at certain points, you're just kind of like, I don't want to hear about how upset Jon Snow is on the bloody wall. Get on with it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's just fantasy books for you, though. There's so many books that do that, and it's it's, It's it's annoying every time. Yeah, I'm not not digging it, George R. R. Martin. I think he actually does it better than a lot of other people. 
but knowing where their story goes within the show and knowing I've got a bit of that to look forward in the books, but if maybe even more in depth because it's a book, Mm. I just kind of go, can we get to that? Because that's really cool. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know how they feel about that certain thing. Yeah, that also works quite well with Umbrella Academy, maybe because I have read the volume of the comic that this season is based off because the first mm-hmm. season is very much the first volume the second season is very much the second volume yep. which is what i'm interested for next year because i'm not going to read volumes three or four um going into them blind i think it's going to be really interesting because it does seem like they're following that format and the the story in each season does follow a format as well without giving anything away there is a ticking clock in every single season each season takes place over about 10 days um, in the the lead up to something, and you know what that something is at the end of at the beginning of each season, like they tell you, and then you see the lead up to it. And when there's a lot of stuff happening that you don't really care about, that gets annoying. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I think maybe yeah, the pacing is still my big issue, but aside from that, I think it's great. It it looks good, and everyone's good in it. So yeah, it's a good show. Yeah, good. We'll finish it. I'm excited to see it also there is a talking fishbowl head robot man and that's cool oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) i think doom patrol season two is wrapping up soon as well so i'm gonna try and go through both those seasons yeah then i'm also like directly after umbrella academy and they're very similar i don't know about that we'll see (laughs) yeah well i'm i'm gonna try and get into it because i do enjoy it i just slipped off the bandwagon for a bit Mm. you know a lot of stuff comes up. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'll, I'll get back into that and I might join you with a bit of a Doom Patrol watch. Ooh, excellent. Uh, have you got anything else? Uh, other than my favourite thing we're going to talk about today? No, I don't. <laughs> okay, because I've seen quite a few weird movies, but I might save them? I don't know. I can talk about them if you want, because I probably won't have much to say about them next week compared to now, as soon as I just watched them. Yeah, they'll be fresh. Okay, yeah. Well, in that case... It's time for Weird Movies with Sandro. Yes, I'm, I'm going to quickly go through these, not say much about them. I'll, 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 do I have my phone? Hang on, I'm getting my phone. I'm going over here, I'm getting my phone. Oh, he's getting, getting his phone. phone. I don't know I'm if you can hear back. me still. Oh, he's back. Okay. I'm coming back. I've got my phone. I'm going to mm-hmm. set a timer. Oh, wow. A timer of, of two minutes for each movie. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Here we go. This is <laughs> some staggering stories level of, of reviews. Yeah, exactly. We've got timers. Okay. First weird movie I want to talk about is The Rental. Oh, yes, The Rental. I've heard of that one. Mmm, directorial debut from Dave Franco, Mm -hmm. who does not star in it, but I think he wrote it along with a bunch of people. Uh, He cast Alison Brie, who she's in it. Uh, Dan Stevens is in it. And also (laughs) Sheila Vand is the uh, standout performance for, for me. She was excellent. Wow, even with those two in it. Yeah. Dan Stevens and Alison. Wow, good on her. Yeah, yeah, she, she was excellent. Uh, it, t- it tells the story of two couples who go to a getaway house that they have rented and things happen with them <laughs> and there's a lot of suspicion and there's a lot of uh, suspense and it's also a slasher movie, kind of. Wow. So, yep, that's a thing. The problem with this movie, though, is it is just a bunch of characters getting angry at each other for an hour and then they die as you do <laughs> like it's such a sudden shift from drama to horror that it's so jarring that it doesn't really work for the most part and then the ending is again so jarring and so sudden that it is quite 
like it it, it throws you that this movie threw me and i think because dave franco proves that he is a good director he's a very good director in this like some of the stuff he does is very well done hmm. a lot of the suspense is excellently directed because of that it kind of tricked me into thinking that i liked it but then when I got to the end and I started thinking about everything, I was like, wait, no, that wasn't a very good narrative. Like that screenplay probably should have been touched up before they did this. Like it feels like a first draft, yep. which is unfortunate. Also, it's a horror film slasher and only one death is on screen. Like that's the point. <laughs> we only see one. Why are the rest off screen? What are you doing, movie? What are you doing, movie? <laughs> <laughs> like, come on. Uh, yeah, look, it's fine. Uh, yeah. I, it is definitely a, a rental. I don't buy this, but... <laughs> hey, hey, that made that joke. Oh, I like that. Uh, look, it's it's fine. It's okay. It's not great. There's some stuff in it that annoyed me. I'm going to give it a schmear. Yep. Boom. Perfect timing. Perfect timing. Perfect timing. All right, the second one. The second one. <laughs> the second one is an American pickle. Oh yeah, I've seen. There's a lot of buzz going on around that. Yeah, it's um, it's Seth Rogen and Seth Rogen play the the, the leads. <laughs> He's in it twice. Uh, there's one man who I think it's the end of the 18th, the end of the 1800s. He falls into a vat of pickles and gets pickled for a hundred <laughs> years, and then. He's not pickled. In the modern day, he comes out of the pickled nature and he meets his great-grandson and they go off and do adventures together. <laughs> it sounds fun. It is really fun. It's really charming as well. I love the opening because it's uh, the aspect ratio is 4-3, which ah. I, I think is very funny because every film is doing that now. Yeah. And uh, like he's kind of doing it in a voiceover. It's quite funny. Uh, the Oh, the exposition is handled so well. So this is kind of a spoiler for a joke, but it's in the trailer. But s- skip ahead to the next movie if you don't want to know, because I think it's the best <laughs> joke in the movie. But uh, <laughs> there's the press conference where they're talking about how he was pickled. And um, one of the journalists is like, yeah, but the science doesn't make any sense. You're expecting us to believe that he was pickled for a hundred years. And then the scientist gets up, goes to explain something. And Seth Rogen in voiceover says, and he explained why this was the case. And everyone was very satisfied. Cut to a journalist being like, (laughs) wow, that makes complete sense. (laughs) It's great. I like that. It's so good. Please tell me he laughs at some point during the, the film. Not as much as you would hope for, but when he does, it's very Aww. good. Yes, of course. Yes. I love his laugh. I love him. He's awesome. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, he's excellent. <laughs> and his uh, russian e accent in this is <laughs> spot on as well. And his beard, it's marvellous. It's marvellous. Oh, God, yeah. They've seen the poster. It's great. Um, so, yeah, I would give it a thumb up. I think it's really fun. A lot of the more emotional beats are don't land quite as well as the comedy, I think. But the comedy is mm. excellent. The satire is excellent. It's quite short, so you can easily watch it in like an hour and a half. And yeah, yeah it's fun. Yeah. It's a fun movie. So one thumb up to An American Pickle. Lovely. Now, just quickly before the next weird movie, did you see the edit of the uh, the Rise of Skywalker trailer at the end where they put his laugh instead of the Emperor's? <laughs> No, I haven't, but that sounds amazing. <laughs> it's brilliant. <laughs> that was terrible. Um, uh, but yeah, it's it's great. Fades to black, and then instead of... <laughs> it's his gorgeous laugh. That's very good. Yeah. That's very good. 
And that was a dreadful impression. I'm usually pretty good at it. I don't know why I didn't do it well. <laughs> it's anyway. a hard laugh to do, though. It is, but I love yeah. it so much. <laughs> uh, all right, final weird movie. Yep. Timer is on. It's called She Dies Tomorrow. Oh, no. Which, yeah, it's about um, it's about this woman who, who realizes that she's going to die tomorrow. Well, that's what she thinks, anyway. She's like, oh, no, I've, I've got a feeling I'm going to die tomorrow. <gasps> and she's sad about it. Well, you could put a big crimp on your day. Uh, and then she tells a friend, and her friend's like, you're not going to die tomorrow. And then she's like, yeah, I am. And um, that's all I want to say about it. I went into this very blind, and I think that works super well. This is one weird movie. It's so weird. It's <laughs> very funny. It's, I don't know how to describe it. I would say it's a scythe. No, it's not sci-fi. I would say it's like a, it's like an arty black comedy. It's not a dark comedy because the jokes aren't jokes. So it's like a black comedy where the jokes don't feel like jokes, but they're funny. So it's situational humor. It's not, here's a joke yeah. designed to make you laugh. It's if you laugh, you'll laugh just because of the tension in the room. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's this awkward dinner scene which yeah is so awkward that it's Mm -hmm. it's very very funny it's also terrifying this movie is very like it gets under your skin it's all about anxiety that's the main kind of driving force of the film oh boy and it 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 does a good job at making you feel uncomfortable but also like really enjoying the comedy that happens (laughs) like it's very funny the first 15 minutes have no dialogue and you're just basically watching someone walk around their house with the same song kind of just like looping over and over again same song (laughs) over and over again and i think that's going to throw some people off because this is yeah it's a very alternative movie Mm. if you like alternative movies you'll love this if you haven't seen an an alternative movie before you're probably just going to go what is any of this i don't understand it Mm. Uh, so it is one of those films, and I think you should go into it with those expectations because a lot of people haven't, and that's why it's got very negative user reviews on all of the various websites. But uh, I thought it was pretty fun. I thought it was excellent. Uh, Michelle Rodriguez is in the trailer. She's in this film for, like, three minutes. So that's false advertising. Everything else is good. Uh, one strong thumb up. <laughs> well, she's in the film. <laughs> <laughs> also, that sounded like that was good timing as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just ended there. So pretty, it's pretty good, good on you. So there we go. Those are some weird movies. Yeah, that was weird movies with Sandro. <laughs> and now it's time for the Last of Us spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, part two, everyone. This is the big one. This is the episode I've been waiting for. We're gonna spoil the entire game. Mm-hmm. Jump forward. Could take a while <laughs> to the end. Yeah, <laughs> jump forward to the very end if you want to. There is time codes. Yes. If you haven't played it. What are you doing? (laughs) Yeah. I just want to say, I wholeheartedly recommend playing this game just because, you know, ignoring anything that's said online, (laughs) including this review, um, (laughs) (laughs) just because I think what this game does is, I've been thinking of so many analogies, but basically if you kind of are tired of a particular formula that games follow in the same way that you could be tired of how Marvel movies follow the, a particular formula. I feel like it's the equivalent of what the Winter Soldier did for the MCU. Oh, I'd agree with that. Definitely, yeah. Both in terms of tone, in terms of expectations, and in terms of just surprising plot twists, really. Mm. So if you want something new out of your game, go play this. I highly recommend it. Definitely, yes. Yeah, I would agree. I think uh, a lot of video games are following a formula, 
and um, that can be a bit annoying at times. Uh, and this game's like, nope, I'm gonna throw that out because it's a yeah, it's a triple tr- A game <laughs> that takes risks. Yeah, which <laughs> doesn't really happen anymore. <laughs> so, but also, and it's something you've said, and this is where the spoilers really come in. So if you haven't stopped listening yet, if you haven't consumed this, then <laughs> please do stop. All of the risks make total sense. Oh, yeah. And you should almost expect them in a way. <laughs> mm, uh, yeah, that's true. Like the major one, which we'll get into right now, is that the hero figure from the first game is killed in this game. Yes. And not in a blaze of glory at the end of the game, pretty much straight away. You don't even get to play as him in this game. Uh, No, you don't, do you? Oh, there's a horse, right? Oh, wait, or is that Ellie? Oh, no, you do. Oh, sorry, you do. For... Two minutes, you get to play <laughs> as him riding a horse, which is basically yeah. just the setup for the titles to be able to go. Exactly, yeah. It's where you get all the credits for the people who directed it and designed it and all of that. Yeah, that's right. That's true. I'd stand corrected. But still, that is the first five minutes of this game is a cutscene mm-hmm. between him and his brother, and then you're riding a horse, and then that's it. You don't play as him after that. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So he died pretty early on, which I think was leaked. I'm not too sure. Yeah, I kind of wish I knew what was leaked because there was a lot of that threw up a lot of uh, dirt. I think maybe the fact that you play as Abby for half the game was leaked. Yeah, maybe it was that, and that's why people were saying it was Faltus advertisement because you don't play as Ellie, but you know it's the point of the game, so it's not really Faltus. But you you do. <laughs> <laughs> you also do play as Ellie. Yeah. Also, I know there was some other stuff. This is kind of where the politics, in quotation marks, come into it, but I don't view it as politics, but there were leaks about homosexuality, because obviously Ellie's gay. Whoa! Oh my god. <laughs> and there was talk of a trans character, which there is a trans character. Yes, there is. But there's something I do want to just say. People thought it would be Abby, because she's a buff woman, <laughs> but... Women can be buff. There is a section of the bodybuilding industry that are women. Yes. That's kind of on video games for uh, messing up our perception of women. Oh, you mean like the huge bust size and tiny hips? No, tiny waist, huge hips. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very sexualized. Yeah. The video game character designs have been bad for a very long time. And yeah. You've got yeah. a buff woman and everyone's like, well, she must be trans. And it's like, come on. Oh, there's a trans character in this game. We know that for sure. Look at the arms on that one. That's got to be her. <laughs> yeah. Or him. No, her. What? Oh. Anyway. Ridiculous. <laughs> no, she's a woman. And the trans character is actually a really great character. And I'd like to get to that one. Ah, oh, probably my favorite. Like, uh, yeah, the I think my moments with that character were probably my, my favorite moments yep. in the game. Oh, phenomenal. I was playing it last night. I should have gone to bed after a phone call, but I didn't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I played it, and we're on the island. Mm. I, we can. I don't know how we'll do this. We'll give a bit of a synopsis, or will we just talk about our favourite bits? Yeah, I, don't know. I mean, yeah. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <We'll go. laughs> yeah. Anyway, we're on the island, and the seraphim, which are um, Lev's people, basically the trans character, is a young boy who is part of this cult or religion that's the thing about this game you get both perspectives of literally everyone in this game it's amazing Mm. every character you get to the point you understand why they're doing it whether you agree with it or not and i'll get into that a bit more in depth later on but anyway in seattle 
um, there is a group of people called the Wolves and there's a group called the Seraphim and they're on an island just off Seattle. Yes. I don't know if there is an island just off Seattle. I'll assume there is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, they're very religious. They follow this uh, young girl who became a martyr and they believe she's a prophet. So they basically have really old-fashioned values as well where they choose yeah. uh, societal roles for people and uh, women in this society can become warriors as well as wives or other things and uh, Lev, who used to be Lily, her sister was, or his sister, sorry, was chosen to be a um, a warrior. He was hoping the same for him, but he was chosen to be a wife, to which he was very disappointed. He felt very uncomfortable and rebelled by shaving his head, which made him become an outcast because they used to have such strong views on that. Uh, so they were on the run, basically. Yeah. And so... That's kind of that's the story of the trans character in this, and it's it's a very powerful story. And they're so they're young yet they have to mature so much. And mm. oh, that's I was actually thinking we'd start with Joel and Ellie, but screw it, let's start with Abby <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. actually, as Laura Bailey puts it, Abby isn't a bad person. <laughs> oh no, I, I I definitely agree with that. It's so mm. it's so interesting because you start off the game basically playing as as Abby. Yeah, kind of. Like, you get a bit of Joel. Yeah. You get, a, like, 20 minutes of cutscenes, which I'm not complaining about because it was the relationship between Joel and Ellie, which I've said before is my favourite part of both of these games. And then you cut to kind of, like, a couple of miles away from the town, Jackson, which is where Joel and Ellie are, mm-hmm. to this group of people who are sleeping in, like, this this mansion type thing. Yeah. Oh, no, a ranch, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And then you play as Abby. Yeah, they are looking for someone who's in Jackson as well. Yeah. Like, hmm, is he here? It's Joel they're talking about. Yeah, exactly. And I kind of knew that. I predicted who they were, or at least who Abby was very early on. I was like, okay, so she's a Firefly. I picked up on that they'd be Fireflies. I didn't pick up on the fact that he killed her father. Yes, yeah. That actually did get me. Yeah, that was a, a really good moment mm. and um, a great... Yeah, that scene where that's revealed is phenomenal. And then the use of that scene as her nightmare, that's the basis of her nightmare, where she flashbacks to walking into the room to find Owen, who was her boyfriend at the time, holding her dad's dead body. Mm. And then she breaks down and cries. But then later on, she sees uh, Lev and Yara yep. hung up and their guts cut open because that's what the Seraphim do. I love that that's the basis of her nightmares, mm. but then she has a good night and a positive dream and she opens the, do- the door and her dad's standing there. That's what I noticed on a replay and it was a really lovely idea to set up. That's her version of PTSD, mm. basically. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I just remembered something. The whole reason why I mentioned the island and the Seraphim was because just a little bit of dialogue was eventually the island is invaded by the wolves and there's a war going on and you have to traverse through there to try and escape the island. Mm-hmm. And I was spotted by the seraphim, and they go, look, it's Lily and one of the wolves. Get her. And then Abby goes, just fucking try, or something like that. And it's like, oh, Abby, you're so protective. That's so sweet. <laughs> yeah. And it's not even a cutscene. It's just programmed dialogue that they say when they spot you. Yeah. And I just thought, oh, that's great. Yeah. 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 No, it's r- r- really well done, all that yeah. stuff. There's one thing in particular that really got me with the programmed dialogue, which I'm sure we'll get to <laughs> later on. I think I know what it is, but yeah. Yeah, I love that stuff with Abby because it just mirrors Ellie. I mean, it was a revenge mission for her. Absolutely. To kill Joel, and then 
Ellie's like, well, you killed my father figure. Now I'm going to kill you. That's how revenge mission works. Now I want to have revenge. Yeah. And just that contrast is really interesting and very, very well done. Yeah. I think there's a great quote. I've mentioned it on the show before, but screw it. I'm going to do it again. While they were making The Last of Us Part 1 and they finished on such a strong choice, which is the setup for this game, Mm. Troy Baker, who played Joel, said to Neil Druckmann, the director, so what are your thoughts on if people hate this? He says, look, I don't care if they love it or hate it. I don't want them to be ambivalent. Mm. And I think that was the mission statement for this game because I'm not ambivalent about any of the characters in this (laughs) or the story choices that that are made because... It shows that everyone can be good and wholesome and kind, but everyone is also a hypocrite. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I love Tommy. I love both of the Miller brothers, but Tommy gets so focused on revenge as well that it it ruins his life. Mm. He goes on a break from his wife or his wife basically leaves him pretty much because he's so fixated on getting revenge for the loss of his brother, which you can relate to. Yeah. That you relate to everyone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Even Owen, who's a bit of a bit of a jerk who had a rebound relationship and got the woman pregnant, yet still loves Abby. You're kinda like, I could see the conflict there and I feel kinda I can relate to you. You're being an idiot about it and I love that line where Abby just says, Get your priorities straight. Yeah, yeah, that was good. And she wants a life with him, but he's bringing a baby into the world. <laughs> so mm. look after the baby. I'm gonna look after these kids. That was a great scene, great line. It said all of that in one line as well. That's so. That's what's so clever about the game. They do that so economically. Yeah, definitely. The structure of the game is interesting. I I, I found it quite interesting because you play as Ellie for about ten hours, mm-hmm. then you play as Abby for ten hours, and both those and that twenty hours takes place within like a three day period. So yeah, uh, you're just playing the events from two perspectives, which was surprisingly not tedious. I usually find that style of storytelling can get a little bit annoying after a while. I think they made it work with flashbacks. Yeah, yeah, definitely. The way you get the relationship between Joel and Ellie in this is through flashback, because obviously he's killed pretty early, within the first two hours, I think. The first two or three, or something like that. And then you get flashbacks to the day that Joel and Ellie turned up at the Firefly base where Abby was just on the other side of it. Mm. And so I think those flashbacks come in between the days. Usually. So it kind of makes that work a bit more. Yeah. And those flashbacks are all really good as well. They're, they they're are, yeah. Um, they're, they're basically cutscenes that you have a little bit of interaction in, but that's fine. <laughs> because the acting is so good. Yeah, exactly. I actually want to just quickly go through the story of the Joel and Ellie flashbacks because that's what I invested in this series so much with basically in the first game, it's a very basic storyline. And again, subverts it at the end where you think you're going to take this girl who's got the cure within her DNA and they're going to save the day from the zombie apocalypse basically. Uh, But as it turns out, doing so would kill her and Joel can't stand that. So he saves her by basically killing an entire base full of people. Yeah. Including, as we find out in this, Abby's dad. Yeah. And that's one thing about the ending of that game as well, is the yeah, it forces you to kill everyone. You can't be stealthy. The game's like, nope, no stealth for you. Here we go. Yeah. And you have no choice. But I also was going, damn right. <laughs> mm. And the thing is, both parties made the mistake of not waiting until Ellie came back round and explaining it to her, letting her make the choice. Yeah, yeah. If Joel had held back from that, if 
the fireflies hadn't just jumped into trying to find the cure, which ultimately involved cutting her head open because it's in the brain is where the cure, they believe the cure is Mm -hmm. or something like that because the the disease corrupts the brain first and then spreads throughout the body. That's how you get the zombies. If they just waited and discussed it with her, maybe she would have been willing to give up her life. Mm. But she was 14 at the time. Everyone's protective of a 14-year-old, but especially Joel, who lost his daughter at about that age yeah, 20 years ago and is basically starting to care for this girl like she's his daughter. Mm. So the story in this is kind of some cute moments where he sings, um, um, oh, what's the song? One of the, um, it's by Pearl Jam, I know that much. Future Days, there we go. Oh, right. He plays that song to her at the start, and you've you got this cute little relationship. They're growing up a little bit. There's a beautiful level, which is just a piece of art at a museum for her birthday, yeah. where he treats her to everything. That is just that is one of the only wholesome moments in this game, because <laughs> this game is aggressive otherwise and relentless. But that is truly amazing and so heartfelt. Mm. But then there's a point where she discovers the secret or no, discovers something had gone wrong and discovered one lie that Joel had told her, which is that he said there were other kids like her who were immune, mm. where she's the only person in this whole world who's immune to the disease that's ravaged the planet. Yeah. She's found a recording that says that she's the only one, so she confronts him saying, you know, tell me the truth. And it's a heartbreaking scene, and it gets me every time mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's so well acted. He, he explains what happened, and she says, look, I'm going to go back to Jackson with you, but we're done, basically. I'm not going to talk to you ever again. Yeah. And she's grumpy with him the whole time after that, until the final scene of the game, because it done in flashbacks and done in segments. Mm. She says, look, I'm going to struggle with forgiving you for that, but I'd like to try. And then he says, that sounds good. And then it kind of ends with her saying goodbye and walking away. But then you realize, wait, the next day is the day that he dies, so that doesn't get to happen. Mm. But anyway, that I thought that was a powerful story as well, but... Then you have the Abby flashback where about the same time she talks her dad into operating on Ellie, which is where I found her really hypocritical because later on about Lev and Yara, she says, they're just kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what are we doing? And it's like, Ellie was just a kid. <laughs> yeah. That's where it has these levels of each character is a hypocrite. Each character reflects the other one. Each character has, you get the look on both sides of of these characters. And it's it's a genius piece of writing. It is. It definitely is. Yeah. Some moments, the th- the third day for Abby. Is that the island? Yeah. Yeah. More coming back from the island to find oh the stuff at the aquarium. Yeah. That like because you know what's gonna happen. Yeah. And you think you're gonna be okay with it because you're like, yeah, oh, Abby's the worst. Ah, oh, no, no. <laughs> yeah, Abby killed Joel. Glad I did this to Abby. She's gonna be so upset. Yes, and then you spend ten hours with her, and then get back to the aquarium. Yeah, find these characters just completely murdered. Like, there's no other word for it. Really, they're murdered. Oh yeah, and it's heartbreaking. That moment really got me because that foreshadowing is crazy and everything in the lead up to walking into that that aquarium is like oh that's right oh no i don't want to do this <laughs> and you felt terrible for ellie as well because she killed mel and then owen said she was pregnant as he's dying and then she yeah unzips her vest or a jumper and sees the the belly and she almost throws up then she's mm. she collapses and that is her lowest point in her life yeah i think oh definitely and I was hit by that. 
maybe as a parent, I don't know. But then you're right. You then care about the repercussions on the other side as well. Yeah. And then the great line from Abby was, we let you live. Because for those who don't know, and I don't know why you're still listening, but uh, <laughs> Ellie tried to stop Abby from killing Joel. But Allie, uh, uh, Allie? <laughs> Abby let... Uh, Tommy and Ellie. There's a lot of E's at the end of names here. There are. Let them go, because Tommy was there as well. It was Joel and Tommy were traveling together and saved Abby, actually. Yeah, yeah. She said, we let you go, but you wasted it, because she's been finding out about all these dead bodies that are coming in, which are caused by Dina, who I love. She's a great character. Mm. And Ellie. And again, mirroring, Mel was pregnant, Dina's pregnant. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, that was a great line, and I kind of went... Yeah, she did waste it, but also you spent four years wanting revenge on Joel, so you're one to talk. <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I love that stuff. Um, the, uh, the the final five minutes of the game, the final five minutes, the final five hours <laughs> yeah. of the game are... Uh, Traumatic. Ellie, a couple years later, like two years later, I want to say, maybe even three. Yeah, because you got to... Dean is only just pregnant at this start of this game yeah and then the baby's probably about a year old so yeah i'd say nearly two years yeah um she gets information from tommy about where abby is at the moment and mm-hmm. sets off the revenge 2.0 uh, <laughs> and that moment is really interesting because i was so against her doing that i was like no don't do this don't what, what yeah. are you doing? like i was just really against it i was like it's an interesting moment because it's not that it felt out of character. It's just that I was like, I don't agree with you particular character going off and doing this at this stage, which is interesting because I've never felt like that Mm. before for any video game character ever. I've never been like, I don't like the fact that I've got to go do this. Yeah, exactly. I can relate to that a little bit, but I'm more disappointed in Tommy because he emotionally manipulated her. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. Like she was suffering from PTSD. That was a tragic and powerful scene. So is he, but he said, you've let me down by not going after her sort of thing. And I'm like, Tommy, we get it. You lost your brother. That's heartbreaking. That is terrible. And we do want to get revenge, but don't force her into doing it. Mm. And I just think that manipulating someone when they're as low as you are in that regard was as much as I do like Tommy, I still do. And I can, I can relate to his pain as well. That was the wrong way to do it, I reckon. Mm. And then I hated pressing square during any interaction between Ellie and Abby. <laughs> <laughs> that was painful to play. Yeah, that was yeah. like really just like, oh. I wanted to rip Abby apart when she was choking Ellie in the theater. I'm like, no, don't make me do this. Someone <laughs> save her quick. Yeah. I was shaking while I was playing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was as well. Yeah, that's such a. Um, I quite like how they dealt with the AI for for Ellie and Abby in those scenes where you, you're the other character and then have to fight them because... It, They're so dangerous, both of them. Yeah, exactly. It's very, very well-coded and designed, those sequences. Abby could do to you what Bane does to Batman. <laughs> yes. And Ellie is quick and can stab you or shoot you within seconds. Mm, yeah, that ending is very powerful. That final mm. fight in the in the water as well. Oh. That whole final sequence was really good. How did you play it? Because I went kind of... Well, they specifically give you a weapon that allows you to get in firefights easier than you would with yeah. your previous loadout. Yeah. But 
I didn't really care about being stealthy at that point. I think I was playing Ellie very viciously. Yeah. Just because I was like, I don't agree with this and therefore... I want to get through it quickly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I played it stealthy around the humans, but there's a point where they are tying the infected up. Mm. and But then I let them go run rampage. And when the others ran away from them, I just got a shotgun out or something and just <laughs> blasted them away. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Yeah, because they're distracted by the infected anyway. Mm. Yeah, so it was a mix of both, really. And this. I don't know. I just had... That is the point where I've got the most mixed feelings because I care... I'm going to be honest. I care more about Ellie. Mm -hmm. Maybe because we had a full first game with her. Maybe because I had strong paternal feelings towards her like Joel did. Uh, But Ellie is a good person. Ellie lost a lot. If we'd played the first game as Abby, sorry, um, maybe we would... uh, feel sorry for her equally i don't know i'd care more about ellie though <laughs> okay yeah yeah well you you did play them back to back as well i did yeah and i actually think that was a bit of a mistake because as much as i've kind of been ridiculing the strong reaction to this game from people who i think are the kind of people who want the black and white games i still had a strong reaction to it i actually felt physically disgusted that i had to play as abby <laughs> because i knew it was going to make me care about her Mm. And I was like, shit, I just want to be angry here, but <laughs> this is working so well that you're making me care for her. Yeah. You're making... She was annoyed at Owen in the start of the game, so I thought maybe, oh, well, Owen's a dick. I'm not going to like him. But she was in love with Owen. Mm. And it's like, oh, now I care about Owen too, and he's still a dick. But <laughs> he's, he's not a dick. He made a, te- a big mistake of getting a woman pregnant when really it was a rebound and no one deserves that. Mel didn't deserve that. Abby didn't deserve that because now there's an accidental triangle going on. Mm. But Mel's falling for Owen. Owen's not really invested. You know, you do start to care. <laughs> so, yeah. But I was really... They took my Joel away from me and they took my Joel and Ellie away from me and I just... <laughs> I was crushed in the scene where you walked through his house. <laughs> yeah. And then I thought... This is terrible that you're making me play as Abby, the woman who did this, not just to them, but to me. But then <laughs> she's really good. And Laura yeah. Bailey's performance is amazing. Oh, incredible. Yeah. yeah. I think that, yeah, because it's been over three years now since I played the first one. Mm-hmm. I played it kind of late, actually. So, yeah, 2017 or 16, I think it was. Yeah. And, yeah, I think having that long gap in there, I still very much cared about the Joel and Ellie relationship because that's that whole game you know that's the reason that game is great yeah um but yeah having it been slightly removed i did start to like abby a bit more (laughs) yeah just probably because i don't know and maybe because it feels like you play for it does kind of seem like you play as abby during very emotional sequences one after the other whereas with ellie they're spaced out with a lot of gameplay yeah, and I think that's because you need to get to know Abby. Yeah. We've got the advantage of having the first game for Ellie, and now she's she's the best to do stealth kills with because she's equipped with that knife, whereas everyone else you have to make shivs and stuff mm. like that. And I know that's a random thing to pick up on, but the gameplay is a bit smoother with her in some cases. Yeah. Although Abby, you can not really... If you get caught, it's not as much of a concern it, that you're not stealth anymore because you could just punch people's faces off almost. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's fair enough. I don't know. I just, I'm 
quite biased towards Ellie. And I think the thing I love about this game is that it lets you choose sides in the end because of its ambiguity. Pretty much. I mean, I don't know if... I don't know if it does, though. I feel like there are no sides in the end of this game. Oh, I mean, in terms of who you relate to more. Oh, right, of course, yeah. And there are no sides, that's right. But, I mean, someone said Abby was a much... She morally took the higher ground at the end. Mm. So that, you know, good on her. She's a more mature character, both in terms of age and in terms of where she is emotionally. She can let let it go, um, which nece- isn't necessarily fair because she's had her revenge story. She's mm. got that cathartic response. Ellie's trying to get that. But then also, if she did get that, it might destroy her because like, yeah. there's been so many stories about how revenge isn't the right thing to do. Yeah. But yet... That that's what I love about the game. It's there's no solid answer about anything. I think no. It's all about your interpretation. And I don't think there will be in like the third one even. Like because no, yeah, it, it does very much end on a hey, this is a trilogy, and there'll probably be the end of the trilogy in uh, probably shorter than seven years. Maybe at this stage. Maybe yeah. I uh, will see. I don't know. Um, just because this one very much ends on a cliffhanger, whereas the second, whereas the first one was a pretty definitive ending, I think, for that game. Yeah, in a, in a way that you can make up any story you want about it. Yeah. Um, you can imagine the scenes between Joel and Ellie where she finds out the truth. You can... We didn't know about Abby then, so we didn't think that Joel would get killed. Mm. But this has got plot threads that you would expect to be addressed. Yeah. And let's get into our little theory about what will happen, because I think we share the same idea. I think so, yeah. It's um, because the final five hours alongside Revenge Mission 2.0, they are dedicated (laughs) to Abby trying to find uh, where the Fireflies are currently located. And she does. She finds out that the Fireflies are still around. Yeah. Although, does she? Was that just a a trick by the uh, Rattlers who ambushed them when they left that house? That's also true, and I didn't think about that. <laughs> but there's a thing about hope. They talk about hope. Her and Lev talk about hope. So she might still have hope after that, because mm. they do sail off somewhere. And I love that once you complete it, the mission, the, um, sorry, the login screen has been a boat in a misty location. Mm. You know nothing about it until the final 20 minutes of the game. And then that boat is then on the shore of a building that they've heard about, uh, with a building that they've heard about in the distance. So that's kind of suggesting that we'll follow Abby and Lev in the next game a bit more. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. But the thing I know is that, you know, there's still the plot thread about Ellie being the only immune person in the world. Exactly. And there's still a pandemic type thing out there. Yeah. Yeah. So my theory is that she's going to be willing to sacrifice herself she might even have to, in a kind of Game of Thrones season eight, episode three, or one, two, and three, you had really unlikely alliances and you saw characters that you never thought you'd see together having to be together at the end of the world. Mm. Could be the same sort of thing in part three where Abby and Ellie actually team up to get to a team of scientists to run experiments to maybe make the cure. Yeah. And then there'll be a moral dilemma of maybe Dina discovers that Ellie wants to do this and tries to talk her out of it because she doesn't want it, her to die. And then yeah, maybe they can talk to the Fireflies to spend more time to try and figure out a non-lethal way to do it. I don't know. I think so, yeah. Because the ending of the Dina arc was very sudden and I was quite 
surprise. Well, like it makes complete sense story wise why you wouldn't see her again when returning to the house. Because if I was Dina, yeah, I'd probably get out of there and go back to Jackson. Yeah. It was a very sudden ending. And that's partly because I was told by my friend, hi, David, if you're listening, <laughs> that this was 40 hours long. And I was expecting it to be 40 hours long. Turns out I finished it in like 30, in like 28 hours, I think it was about that. Well done. <laughs> and so when I sat down to play the ending of the game, I didn't realize it was the ending of the game. And, and I was like, oh, that's it. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Just because I was kind of expecting that to go on for a bit longer. Yeah. I think it was just illustrating to Ellie that she got too focused on revenge. Mm. She'd already crossed many lines with unintentionally, she didn't realize Mel was pregnant Mm. and she'd killed a lot of people at that point already, but she is going to be haunted by the fact she killed a baby basically. Yeah, definitely. And they, they demonstrated that she, like I said, hunched over. She was, she was out of it. It took Tommy talking her back to reality to get her out of there. So there's that. She's got PTSD from all the stuff she's done. She's got permanent injuries, Mm. and now she's upset the woman that she loved. Yeah. And, you know, there are consequences to the revenge. So I I don't know if Dina will be back, but she could be back. She hasn't died, so, you know, that could be part of part three. Yeah, I'd hope so, but at the same time, it does seem like we're going to be moving pretty far away from Jackson. So, you know, we'll see. We could be. Yeah, we could be. It all depends on uh, what twists and turns Druckmann decides to throw at us again, mate. Mm. Nah, good on you. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and Hallie Gross. Yes. Or Goss, who writes it with him. Yes. I don't know if she gets enough credit, but it's the two of them. They certainly uh, credit each other a lot. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And thank you both for such a nuanced, layered, and meticulously thought out story. Really well done. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I um I hope that Druckmann does some other like writing work. I know that Haley Gross works on like Westworld and stuff. Oh, does she? She's done like some TV and oh. and movie writing. Mm. Uh, I don't think Druckmann's really done too much outside of gaming. So I... no, I don't think he has. Well, I mean, he is the vice president of, of Naughty Dog, so you know it makes sense that he would be pretty focused on games. Yeah, but considering this narrative, I would be really interested to see some sort of like movie from him or something. Well, we know he's doing the show, The Last of Us show. Oh, he is doing the show, isn't he? Yeah. On that note, I'll just bring up uh, some dream casting that some people have mentioned, and I think Troy Baker even supports this, Mm. but he wants Josh Brolin to play Joel. I think that would be pretty perfect, yeah. I think that could work. And here's a weird one, Out of the Blue. I've forgotten his his real name, but what about the Hound from Game of Thrones? (laughs) I don't know if he could do the accent. I've never heard an American accent from him, but he's got the look, I think. Oh, that would be... I can see him as Tommy, but I don't oh, yeah. know if I can see him as Joel. No, that fair enough. I could see that too, actually. Yeah. I've got really mixed feelings about how the show might go. <laughs> I'm just going to wait yeah. and see at this rate, yeah. just because these games have found a really special place in my heart. They're, <laughs> they're very, very good. It's HBO, so... Uh, could be amazing. I, I'm Yeah, I... <laughs> I think it probably will be quite good. I just, yeah. It's the different mediums that I'm worried about. Just because this tells a story and I think only a video game could tell it this way. Yeah, I think so. That's why I'm so surprised they're adapting the narrative. I thought they would do maybe like a spin-off set in this world, which could work. Yeah. But yeah, the, the fact that it's a direct um, 
adaption is going to be really interesting, especially yeah. when they get to the story of what would probably be season. Although it does, they did say that they're going to be filling out the gaps a bit more. So maybe Last of Us Two will be season four or something. I don't know. But like, mm. like when they get to that point, telling this story in TV. I don't know how that's going to work. Is half the season going to be Ellie and then half the season is Abby's <laughs> perspective? Like, how? <laughs> I don't really know how that would... Well, they've done it with Game of Thrones, just jumping between the different locations, I guess. Kind of. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, for fan casting, it's kind of hard for Joel. It is. I like the idea of maybe um, Sadie Sink from Stranger Things as Ellie. <gasps> oh my God, yeah. She's Ooh. one of the first ones that comes to mind because she's like the right age Ooh. at this point. Um, yeah, <laughs> I hadn't thought of that. That's really good. I'm just going to be cautiously optimistic because I know the story will be good. I'm just invested in the way they used gameplay as well as storytelling at the same time, as well as narrative. Yeah. We'll just, we'll see how it goes. Actually, I wonder if Fedra will be involved more in either the sequel to the game or the show, just because I think we should hear a bit more about the shady organization because there are still mm. cities out there that are populated and kind of um, dictated over. Yeah, yeah. I I think that would be really interesting, and I think that is, yeah, where the show is going to work differently to the game, is, yeah, just filling out those different communities. Yeah. Will be really interesting. I I completely forgot, but, yeah, the guy, uh, the other showrunner alongside Druckmann is Craig Mazin, who did Chernobyl, which was incredible. Oh, wow, yeah. So... Yes, he also did the Hangover films and superhero movie, but he did Chernobyl, which is phenomenal. <laughs> and that one as well does a really good job at kind of showing you all the different sides. It's definitely more black and white because you're like, the, the government covering this up, how dare they? But, you know. Oh, well, also, it literally happened. It's not a fiction. Mm, that's true. <laughs> yeah, that's also very true. Um, so, yeah, uh, but I think that's a really good team up yeah Yeah. the casting's going to be interesting there's some tv shows and like adaptions where the casting does kind of throw me like tom holland playing nathan drake i i'm not (laughs) i yeah there is a part and you will get to it in the third game where you play as as drake as a teenager and i can see that working yep but also tom holland is almost too recognizable as spider-man um there's that but um i was also thinking didn't they just base it on Nathan Fillion? <laughs> that as well. <laughs> yes, that as well. <laughs> and then I thought, as I was playing Uncharted earlier today, I thought, well, actually, why can't you just do a flashback-type narrative where you have two adventures going on, mm. Tom Holland be young Nathan, and Nathan Fillion be the older one? <laughs> that would be cool. That would be cool. I um, A podcast I listened to, The Weekly Planet, had an idea uh, for the Lando TV series that might be happening, which is quite oh, yeah. similar. You get, like, Billy D. Williams <gasps> reading out the diary that we know that he has, and then oh yeah, because they even set that up in Solo. <laughs> yeah, and then Donald Club for acting it out. I think that yeah, I think that would work. Yes, that would be perfect. Definitely, that would be beautiful because Billy D. Williams could just swagger in and uh, yeah, be there for a day to record his stuff, and then uh, Donald Glover can run around the set, rolling in the mud, shooting lasers, and all of that. <laughs> yeah. Ah, uh, did I tell you about that time that on the Kessel Run I... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> but yes, we will see with that TV show. I think the ETA is next year, so we'll see. Although that's all up in the air because of COVID. But then again, exactly. it just gives them more time to adapt it perfectly. Exactly. Because I'm sure they will. 
<laughs> Definitely, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if I've got any more positive things I could say about this game. I genuinely do have respect for every element of it. Yeah. There, I mean, there are a few negative things. I think, I don't know if you've mentioned it already. It could have been the Ellie Revenge 2.0 thing, or it could be the fact that when you shoot somebody with a shotgun, their limbs fly off and then they scream, oh my God. Oh, man. I love that detail. Yeah. It's so, yeah, really well done. Or you shoot... You shoot someone and kill them, and they go, "No, David." Yeah, because they know them by their first name. It's like, <laughs> oh, I just, I just ruined a friendship just there. <laughs> the first time that happens, because it's like straight after everything with Joel. You're angry. Yeah, you head off on this adventure. The whole town is mourning Joel. They knew him by his first name. Yeah, yeah. And then suddenly, and then like, <laughs> you see a bunch of wolves you're angry and you're like i'm gonna i'm gonna take them all out you know they killed joel how dare they you, <laughs> you kill one and then and then the other guys are like oh no that was my friend and they call him <laughs> out by their name and you're just there going oh no <laughs> oh crap <laughs> what did i do they've known each other they've lived through this hell that everyone lives in in this world now yeah. and they've survived together and now i've just ended that <laughs> that that moment was wow they put that in the game and mm-hmm. i like that it should have been a sign for things to come uh because of yeah Ooh. oh and i noticed you talked about the different ways of playing it actually if you do stealth and you you're hiding as much as you can and you have no choice but to take one out otherwise they'll call out to the others there's no comment from your companion mm. if you go in there all guns blazing they're like jesus and stuff like that. They go, holy shit, you know, why, why'd you do that? Not not questioning it, but it's just like, damn, that's intense. Mm. I picked up on that the second time around. Yeah. But yeah, great attention to detail in every little bit of this game. Great ambiguity. And yeah, I'm just thinking back to the article I mentioned previously. If people don't like that, fair enough. I think it's a genius way to have multi-layers in your storytelling and... I love the way it not only holds a mirror up to the audience, it holds a mirror up to each character. The storytelling mirrors itself and it has cycles within itself. Another comparison to make, it's kind of like what The Last Jedi did for Star Wars, (laughs) where it brought up the fact that the Jedi will fight the Sith, the Sith will fight the Jedi, one will die, one will be victorious, another one will rise up. It's just a revenge story over and over again. Yeah. And that's kind of what Last of Us does for the general idea of revenge stories. It points out that cyclical nature and how it just it isn't helpful for anyone really yeah exactly so i guess we should rate it <laughs> i'm gonna give it one thumb up this was okay no it's two thumbs up isn't it <laughs> <laughs> yeah i've got to give it two thumbs up at the time that i reviewed the first one i'd started playing this and i gave the first one two thumbs up and i said it's a masterpiece and i had mixed feelings about this having gone through all of those feelings and gone on the journey that this game just it really takes you through This is a masterpiece for entirely different reasons because it's an entirely different story. Oh, yeah. Just like Alien and Aliens or Terminator 1 and Terminator 2, entirely different films, entirely different ideas, same characters, same sort of concepts, but it approaches them entirely differently. And in all of those cases, they all do what they want to do very well. Mm. So hats off to the crew for this one. Definitely. Yeah, especially with those 12-hour crunch days they had to go through. Like, your work paid off. Good on you. Yeah. That's Last of Us Part 2. I'm sure we'll keep talking about it in the future, but yeah. Oh, yeah, we will. That's the big review. I think this could be like a watermark 
not watermark. What am I trying to say? <laughs> uh, watershed. There we go. For video games and storytelling. I think this is going to be a point that will be reflected in other games mm. in the future, I reckon. I think so, yeah. <laughs> Although, I do have to say, here's my impression of a character in a Naughty Dog game climbing on something. <laughs> yeah. Any game, that's what they do. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> All right. Well, now it's time to move on to talk about what we have been consuming and did a big gold review about a video game. But now it's time to talk about what the bloody heck we want to talk about next week. What do you want to talk about next week? <laughs> what do I want to talk about next week? I want to pick uh, what show to continue watching next or start. I might either continue Preacher or start Umbrella Academy just because nice. so many of my friends are into Umbrella Academy. That obviously includes you, but it's, it's causing a stir on Facebook. A lot of people I know are watching it. It's trending number one in Australia on Netflix, mm. and I just want to maybe jump on board with that. Yeah, I deserve to be, be so. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Or I might get back on track with Doom Patrol. I've got three options. Can't choose between them. We'll see how I go <laughs> throughout the week. <laughs> Definitely. Awesome. Probably more um, Uncharted as well. Mm. For TV... Yeah, going to finish Umbrella Academy, going to finish American Horror Story Cult, and take a long break from American Horror Story, probably. <laughs> And then probably go back to Preacher. I don't know if I'm going to stop that next week. We'll see. But I want to go through seasons three and four of Preacher um, pretty soon because all the talk that you've been doing has gotten me excited to get back into that world. <laughs> uh, also, a Project Power's out. Oh, yeah. Next week? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I might watch the first episode before we record. We'll see. Isn't it a film? Oh, maybe it is a film. I don't know. I think it is. Okay, cool. I only found out about it through Casey Neistat. Mm-hmm who is fantastic YouTuber, filmmaker. He's literally directed films, documentaries, basically. Yep. Uh, really great guy, fantastic philosophies on life, and he has a cameo in it. Mm. He gets beaten up by Jamie Foxx and says he loved that. <laughs> that's great, that's great, yeah. But also, Joseph Gordon-Levitt is back on screen after yes, a while, kind finally. of writing and directing and also managing Hit Record. Yeah. I'm really keen to see him in something, and Jamie Foxx is just cool personified definitely definitely so actually i want to check that out too yeah i think i'm yeah i'll definitely give it a watch also uh, a couple of movies i want to watch host which was just released on shutter which is now finally in in australia that streaming service just hit here oh. uh it's the zoom horror film uh, in, in, entirely made within the quarantine period it's like it's like an an hour long i think it takes mm-hmm. place on a zoom call which sounds very cheesy but um unfriended proved that that those films can work so yeah i was about to say we've already had that sort of thing in a way yeah not to say oh we've seen that before but i'm just saying it's not unheard of yes and it's getting some really good reviews so i want to check that out what isn't getting good reviews is shia labeouf's new movie the tax collector uh but i think i will watch it anyway so <laughs> uh and then i think there's a new um secret garden movie that just came out with uh colin firth so i might check it out it's not super high up on my list but i'm intrigued yeah it seems like there was a long period where there were no new movies and now everyone's just dumping everything on vod so it's it's all coming out now yeah i don't know how i feel about that i just i love the cinema experience yeah i'm a bit Mm. yeah on that note actually probably won't watch mulan (laughs) (laughs) that's fair (laughs) and i hope they don't release black widow on vod only 
Yeah. We'll see. Just wait it out, guys. You've got enough money to wait it out, so just wait it out. Yeah. I think with Black Widow, although I think they both cost the same, so maybe they're going to test the waters with Milan. If that doesn't do well, they won't. If it does do well, they might consider it, but... That's basically what they're saying, I think. Yeah, which I'm which I'm unsure about. I love how a tenant or tenant or whatever it's called. I love how that's getting released um in certain areas of the country in like a week or two. Oh really? They yeah, they've delayed it indefinitely in America. Yeah. But it's coming to like New Zealand in a week. It's getting a cinema release there. Oh uh, yeah, well, New Zealand is basically COVID free, so pretty much at this point yeah, yeah they're just releasing it and i'm like cool um but that is the episode right there thank you so much for listening as always if yes. you want to get in touch with the show feedback.nerdout at gmail.com is our email address mm-hmm. uh, also message us on our facebook page if you want we've got personal instagram accounts linked in the description they're not private so Go ahead and follow them and message them if you want to get in touch with us there. Absolutely, yeah. What you can do with getting in touch with us is tell us what you've consumed. We're happy to read that out on the show. Definitely. Recommendations we'd like. If you know, you've know you got another morally ambiguous video game, mm-hmm. let me know because that's kind of what I've really warmed to. As much as I do like a bit of a, a shooter. Like I said, I played the Call of Duty campaign again. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I like a thought-provoking game. Yeah. Let me know. If you could think of a better Muppets project for uh, Sandra to watch, <laughs> let him know. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But yeah, um, just all things you want to consume, like we finish the show with these days, uh, send it on through. Definitely. I'm currently reading End of Watch by Stephen King. I'm getting a little bit sick of King. Give me some of your, your, your favorite authors and I might check him out. Terry Pratchett. Even though it'll take forever for them to come in <laughs> because <laughs> the library's unopened, but you know. That's true. Send in your recommendations, as I mentioned. All the links to everything in the description. Check out Ollie But a Goodie, my other podcast. If you want, this week we're talking about a sci-fi horror called Dreamscape, and it was pretty good. It's pretty good. There was a snake man. I hate snakes. <laughs> uh, many d- d- different connections to Indiana Jones as well, because it stars Willy. Willy's in it. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> and the poster is also just a ripoff of Indiana Jones for some reason. <laughs> so. I mean... If you're going to rip off a poster, yeah, <laughs> go for that. Anyway, that's everything. Thank, thank you so much for it listening. Is. As always, we will be back next week, probably talking about the Avengers demo. Hell yeah. And some other stuff as well. we got a lot kind of planned coming up as well. We might be returning to the Star Trek films soon as well. Mm-hmm. We may have a returning extra voice. Maybe. Or we'll be f- d- uh, d- decided upon next week. on No Doubt Consumed. Until then, thank you so much for listening. And as always, don't forget to keep nerding out and keep consuming.